All right, everybody, welcome to No Putts Given, episode 2010. On this week's episode, we're talking personal launch monitors. Do these $500 devices do what they actually say, and should you go spend your money on them? Also, we've got Mizuno 2020 prototype drivers. And we've also got a training aid called Putt Out that has now sold over a quarter million devices. And Tony has stayed up till 4.30 in the morning with his daughter, keeping her away from school. That's a lot. Because he's addicted to this advice. <laughs> and this week on Shot of the Truth on No Putts Given, don't ever play a 64-degree wedge. Recycle it. Burn it. Milt it. Whatever you want to do, don't play one. Tiger winning his 82nd, getting his 82nd win. Will he get his 83rd in 2020? Yes. Sam says he's going to get 83, 84, 85, 86, 87, 88. No Putts Given is powered by My Golf Spy, the most extensive reviews in golf. Before you buy, My Golf Spy. Nine million readers do it every year. Check us out. <laughs> Halloween is today. Happy Halloween. Yeah, you guys love it over here for Halloween. Anything to do with a, like a, a holiday, you got it down. I think this is our 10th year of doing a haunted forest. Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting scared shitless. You got a little friend sitting next to you. Yeah, it's Clarice. Clarice? Since it's Halloween, I figured we would just go around and see if there are any Halloween horror stories, golf horror stories that you've ever had. Anyone? No. I have one. No. Usually, usually yeah. by Halloween, the golf season's over for me. <laughs> your horror, your yeah. horror is over. Yeah, that's. I mean, my my one is uh, when I was a junior. I was back in England playing golf, and you know if there's the, well, there's a walkway that goes across the uh, a fairway on a par five, and the guy was standing in the rough, and wouldn't walk across. So I waved him across, and you know what happens when that happens, right? When someone just stands on the golf course, it's a magnet. He was an old guy too, so I hit it, and of course it was going straight at him, and I, I crushed it. It bounced once, hit him straight in between the eyes. Ooh. Uh, he went down like a sack of shit. I'm confused. Yeah. Is this your horror story or his? This is the both. <laughs> I walked over and he goes, have you ever heard of four? And I said, yeah. I showered it. And he goes, what did you say? He had two hearing aids in his ears so he couldn't hear. His dog was trying to rip my nuts off. Mm. Brought his um, dog to the course too. And then, yeah, I from then on in, I think I bogeyed the way in as a junior because <laughs> I was so mortified. Wow. But yeah. What about you, Sam? He could have died. I don't know that mine's is... Uh graphic as yours i guess um mine was also back when i was a junior i was playing on this you know junior circuit in the area and it's a two-day tournament two different courses i had never seen either of them and i went up to richmond and played the first round and shot two under 70 and it's like first time i ever carded an under par round in you know in a junior golf tournament and i get to the next day and i'm you know shaking in my shorts on the on the practice tee trying to get ready shanking shots hitting them bad and I'm standing on the putting green about to put, you know, about to go off in a few minutes and all these kids are staring at me. And I end up playing I think I shot like 40 on the front nine. I had like a four shot lead or something and long story short I get to the end and I lost by one and I doubled the last hole. Um but I remember it, it was just like for me it all happened so fast, but my dad said it was like watching a train wreck in slow motion. Yeah. Because I was like leading this tournament and I go up and show up and like completely forget how to play golf. 
it happens. And to me, that's that was horrific. I mean, it was hard to sleep that night, I can tell you that. Well, mine, I'm not going to try to one-up you because this is terrible, but uh, Chucky Jarrett relived the story the other day. This has to go back, I guess, when we were kind of juniors. Um, and this was back in, uh, you know, I didn't find out until when I was like 35 that I had like major uh, gluten issue. Okay. So take IBS. I, I don't coming. like where this is going. <laughs> I know what's coming. Take IBS and a can of Skull Straight. And if you combine those two, uh, we got one hole in on the Hamptons golf course. And I hit my drive. We were driving in the cart, me and Chucky. And I said, I got to go. He's like, well, there's a, you know, porta potty on hole three. And I was like, no, you don't understand. Like, we're on one. You know, like, I got to go now. So I'd literally jump out of the cart while he's still driving. And they had this trail, like a runner's trail in Hampton. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So I grabbed a tree. And uh, about probably 45 seconds later, I hear Chucky scream from the fairway, Runner! And all of a sudden, this girl comes running down the path, and she uh, runs upon me with a combination no. of Skull Straight and IBS. And uh, she was like, hey, how you doing? I said, I'm doing well. I'm doing better now. <laughs> so that was my Halloween horror story. It's coming out like lava. Oh, my gosh. Wait, so she saw you going Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Just, wow. Didn't care at that point. IBS, you don't care when you got that. That, that gluten intolerance, man, gets you. Don't drink regular beer. Tony's got nothing. No. No horror story. It's not a horror story no. every time you go play golf? <laughs> no, not anymore. He impressed people at Cobra, by the way. Are you playing better? How's it going? Hey, good days, bad days. He's trying. Now to I have no days. <laughs> yeah, your season's over. They uh, shut, what time? They, when do they shut down your course? Uh, it's still open, but it's you know it's going to be highs in the 40s this weekend, and it's just not. I mean, do you guys not have cart covers and those like propane heaters mm. built into y'all? We all walk, so that's true. <clears throat> this personal launch monitor test that we've got going on right now, finishing up it uh, probably this week, I'd yep. say. Publishing results maybe next week. One of the uh, most recommended or requested tests we have had in quite a long time, you know, because at this point we've tested most everything, drivers to shoes to even ball retrievers, Mm -hmm. right? So there's not much left for us to test. But anyway, it has just, the amount of people that want to see how this shakes out is pretty, pretty impressive. I think we've got like five, 600 likes on a tweet that I thought might, you know, just get very little interest, you know? And I Dude, guess we got like 2,300 on the one yesterday that you posted. Yeah. So, you know, Tony and I were talking about last night, like, why is there so much interest in this? And I guess it might just be because, you know, wouldn't you agree, Tony? We've gone from $20,000 devices that collect all this data that are badass to $500, right? So that's attainable by almost every person to be able to go out there and buy one of these devices and, you know, see how their game shakes out, see what they're producing. Yeah, I mean it's a uh, right. If these things work, it's it's kind of like the the holy grail for consumers, right? Everything you could want at an affordable price in the launch monitor space. Because I, I think certainly among our readers, right, who tend to be more hardcore guys, like everybody would love a Foresight or a TrackMan or or even a even a FlightScope, right? But for for those premium products. <clears throat> I think I think your jump in point probably starts around twelve. I think you know flight scope the XI is a little bit less, but you know you're, you're talking twelve grand 
upwards of you know 25 plus for for fully featured kind of radar based stuff and you know to to go from 24 to to like 500 like you it's uh yeah it's probably wishful thinking but it's like man if you know if if i can if i can get into that space for 500 instead of you know split the difference and call it 15,000 that's that's kind of an intriguing little thing isn't it yeah, and so Skytrack kind of got into this space a long time ago and intrigued people, right? Holy shit, $2,000 for a device that can track all this data and show my swing speed. And we were talking about it last night, too. Um, I don't think golfers even care whether it works or not. When I played baseball a long time ago, there was this ball that came out. And you had to, in the motion of throwing, you had to press the button and release it when you threw. And it would tell you how fast you threw the ball. This was like the first gun in baseball that was a you know that didn't have a you know when you have a scout come to your game you got a radar gun on right. you right that was the only thing that people had back then and this baseball came out 99 bucks every pitcher in America bought one the the, the weird thing was one time you would throw it you'd be like i threw 91 mile an hour fastball the next time you throw it i threw a 36 mile an hour fastball <laughs> it was like a little like rectangular digital screen yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah i remember those things so the thing that Tony and I were talking about is that for the guy that hit 91, they didn't, I mean, was it real? Was it not real? The baseball pitcher didn't care. He, he showed his buddy and said, look, I threw 91, you know? At 16. And I think <laughs> at 16. <laughs> and golfers get these devices, and I think, you know, we're finding out the reality of whether or not these things are legit or not. But if it tells you you hit a 320-yard shot, Harry. Oh, that's accurate. That, that's, that's, well, for that's Harry, right. that could be accurate. You know, there was a time, it was your first PGA show, was it two years ago? Yeah. Uh, we went over to the PRGR booth, Yeah. and they had their little rain, their little uh, personal launch People monitor. started to come around. Because he watch. was getting ball speeds of like 190 or something. And nuts. I was saying like, like 345. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so these things are becoming more popular, right? So the Skytrack came out a long time ago, honestly, and now all these, that's around $2,000 device, but now there's all these $500 devices that are becoming more popular the mevo the garmin the rapsodo there's there's a few of them right so there was enough of of them and enough interest for us that we needed to put a test together to find out if you guys should spend your money uh a twenty thousand dollar foresight or TrackMan is the cost of an entry-level new car right or a pretty good used car tony what can you drive for five hundred (laughs) dollars A bike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, but then let me, let me flip it this way. Do you go out and buy a driver for 500 bucks that you don't know is going to work? Yeah, I think a lot of people well, do, but I get what you're going for. <laughs> right? So, I mean, this is the cost of a driver these days. That's a good point. And people in so, some cases, it's less money than a driver. Exactly. It is less money than some of the drivers out here. So, it's exactly the same thing with these. But here's my issue with these and all of these, right? We use Foresight GC Quad because it gives us the most dependable, consistent data mm-hmm. for product testing. Different purpose, right? No, and and with head data too, right? Which is a, a huge Correct. differentiator to be able to get accurate, reliable head data for us. And what yeah. we do is, I mean, it, it's critically important. Probably, and I've, we, I've told this to the Foresight guys when we talked, like when... When we first started doing Most Wanted and, and really starting to understand the launch monitor and, and had access to the HMT, which is at the time, right, the accessory head measurement technology unit, we were like, oh, yeah, I guess, I guess that would be cool to have. That would be, that would be nice. And now we're <laughs> like, oh, yeah, no, this really is 
as critical for us as the ball data with what we're trying to do yeah. and what we're trying to understand. So for the average golfer, though, here's my problem with all these devices so far. It's their purpose. And what is the purpose of what the regular average golfer is going to use these for? If it's me, I'm going to the course to take my bag, right? And go, all right, what am I? what is my average distance for every club? I hit 10 shots with each one of my irons. It says I hit my seven iron 192, right? That's my average. I go out there to the course. I get up to a shot that's 192, pulling out that seven iron, right? But what if five of those 10 shots that it used as its average to give me 192 were 25 yards off? which has been the case with every one of these devices, I have now flown the green by 10, 20 yards or come up short 10, 20 yards. I'd right? probably say come up short more than fly the green from 192. but Well, it depends <laughs> if you're at Bob Parsons' place hitting 250-yard <laughs> stingers. But yeah, so what is the early signs so far that you can give feedback? You know, Obviously, we don't know who there's a winner yet and you know all the results and all the data collected, but early signs right now, what's your thoughts? Um, for early signs before I take it outside, wait a couple of years. That's just early, early signs of doing it inside. Well, indoors, correct. Indoors. I'm going to take it outside um, uh, today or tomorrow and, and do the other half of the test. But, I mean, here's, here's my qualms with a lot of these and, and Mevo's included in that is, one, you have to dot the ball with the Mevo to get a relatively accurate yeah, reading. for the for the most accurate reading you can get, right? You need to put that right. little metallic and, sticker on the ball. And yes, that's that's about. I, I was seeing about inconsistencies about two miles an hour um, in ball speed difference compared to the GC quad. And Tony would probably agree with this. Ball speed is where the what these things probably actually do best, correct? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly ball speed and ball speed they can they can do pretty well, right? Because. You don't need a, a large window to understand ball speed, and you're assuming, right? With a lot of these, you have to input the club that you're using that's, so that it. That is my that's my annoying thing about. Well, every I mean, one it's 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 much. kind of a, a limitation of of these little Doppler things, right? So if you're using like a, a full blown TrackMan or, or a full size flight scope, right? It's it has a bigger unit, so it's you can imagine like projecting a big window that it knows to look through the ball with these with the smaller dopplers you sort of have to your window is smaller and so you sort of have to position it a little bit and give the unit a better idea where to look for things and and it may always be a limitation of the technology when when you when one of the one of the selling points of these devices right is the actual physical footprint you want this to be able to fit in your golf bag whereas you know, for, for the most part, right? Like, I carry a pretty good sized golf bag, but I'm I can't put my GC quad in it reasonably, right? And I can't put a TrackMan in it reasonably. So that that's the other selling point is the idea that this device you can just you know toss in your bag and, and go to the course without you know needing needing to take a backpack or something else with you. So the convenience factor then does that outweigh the fact that they're not? I mean, for right now, no, what we got well, no, because here's the thing. The number one job of these things, minus the videoing capabilities, is to give you a number you can trust. Yeah. And if you can't trust that number, who gives a shit what size it is? It's it's worthless. And we've talked about this. How are you using this? Where are you using this? But if your use case, right, is is you take this thing to the driving range with you and and you're you're setting up and you're using it while you're hitting range balls, 
Like at that point, you have to wonder too, right? That's another piece of the discussion. What are you really learning if you're hitting a range ball? I, I don't know what meaningful information you're actually going to get, regardless yeah. of whether you're using a, a tiny little portable launch monitor, even if you have a TrackMan, right? Takeaways uh, so far that I hear are SkyTrack has been around five years. It still kicks ass, right? It's the best indoor unit that we've seen. Um, for, yeah, it's outside the enterprise class for sure. Well, yeah, Correct. you're, you're looking about two grand for that unit, but if it's if if you're going to use it and you're going to set it up, that is closest thing you're going to get to a GC quad. Yeah, without the head data. And we're testing, just so everybody knows, against the GC quad as our baseline. So Skytrack, good indoors, really good indoors. Mm-hmm. Doesn't collect head data, though. Cool UI, cool display. Yeah. Indoors for the smaller $500 and under units, kind of. Wait a couple of years is what you're saying. I would wait a couple of years at least um, and wait to see what comes out there and then we'll keep testing them and and hopefully they improve. I mean, they should. Um, someone's going to figure out a way to actually make it as accurate um, or very, very close to the GC quad. Yeah, and the thing to keep in mind, right, most of these units, you know, 500 plus or minus 100 bucks is what we're talking about, right? Um, you can pick up directly from SkyTrack. You can pick up a used SkyTrack for around 1600, I suspect if you, you know, went through eBay or a forum seller or something like that, you you could probably get it for for, you know, less than 3x of of what one of these, you know, portable units will get you. And again, it it's use case matters, but if you if you're going to use it kind of in an indoor hitting bay in your house something like that, yeah, I mean, I would I would say don't spend 500 save up until you have somewhere between 1500 and 2000 and, and buy something that's going to work uh, reliably. Yeah, I mean, it's not just the, I mean, SkyTrack doesn't just have the range. It has a skills um, section. It has target you section. You can play golf, right? Yeah, you can play golf if you get the package for it. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a lot of fun and the graphics are unbelievable. They're very, very good. So next up on No Putts Given is a new kind of release whatever you want to call it, prototype that was Appearance. seen on the USGA conforming list from Mizuno. But pretty likely these are going to be their 2020 drivers. You agree, Tony? Oh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's one of the uh, one of the limitations of Mizuno's scale as a metal wood producer, unlike Callaway, where you're you know going to see probably by the time the year is over, <laughs> six different versions hit the USGA list. Uh, with Mizuno, chances are if, it, if they put it on the list, it's, it's for real and ready to rock and roll. All right, so going around the room, anybody ever played a Mizuno driver for more than a couple rounds in here, like a full year almost? No. Tony? No. No. You? No. No. Why do you think that is? Uh, well, I mean, I tried I tried both ST-190s at the beginning of the year, and it was odd. I actually talked to the Cobra guys about this last last week. The, the, the standard ST-190 was one of two drivers that I tested. And again, I, I put the same length shaft, in some cases the exact same shaft in different heads. And uh, it was one of two drivers where I saw in a, like a, a three-mile-an-hour drop in head speed consistently. And that, that's going to have something to do with the CG and the aerodynamics just not working for me. Um, so that one, obviously, you're not, nobody's going to reasonably give up three miles an hour head speed before you even start looking at ball speed, right? So that was out. And, you know, the, the 190G, it just wasn't among the best for me. But we do see it come up quite a bit in true golf fit, right? So there are guys that it works for, for sure, and works really well it for. I just wasn't, I just wasn't one of them. Yeah, I yeah. thought it was a good driver. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd, say, I'd say it's like a consistent driver. It's just, 
it didn't fit my parameters of my swing and I just couldn't get it. But don't you think that's interesting, right? Like Mizuno this year was the best iron maker in golf. I mean, from a performance standpoint, the data, you know, yeah, showed that they, they dominated the irons category. So for a company to be able to make such a good iron and have so many golfers playing it without being paid to play it, you know, why can't they get this driver thing right? They spend all that time making Well, how long, how long have they been um, making irons, just irons? Like, I think they've tried drivers. No, yeah, I mean, they've been, they've been making drivers every bit as long. They have I mean, been? I've, yeah, I've been, yeah, I've been there. I've seen historically. And the thing is, right, it's like Mizuno doesn't make a bad driver, right? Who does? Right, exactly. It's almost always a matter of two things, right? Is can, can they make the same product consistently, right? Are they from part to part to part, which is a factory issue, and then you have the, the fitting piece of, of whether or not it fits me. But as we've talked about before, the, the issue for Mizuno has been a, a complete lack of play on the PGA Tour, right? And it wasn't, you know, Keith Mitchell won the Honda Classic with a Mizuno driver in the bag earlier this year. And, I mean, that was huge for Mizuno because... Yeah, but, dude, those people that are on tour are picking up those irons... And playing those irons and doing well with them. So the fact that no one's playing them on tour is a sign. Like you said, who's going to give up three mile an hour head speed? Well, that, but that, that's unique speed. to me, right? That That's definitely a me thing and the aerodynamics and things like that. That's a rare case. But um, yeah, it's it's just one of those things where we've talked about it with, with Chris Vachal from Mizuno. It's when the pay for play took over the PGA Tour and... and TaylorMade started dumping in huge amounts of money to, to win driver counts, and, and Callaway was trying to compete in that game, and, and Title is throwing money at players to, to win counts. Mizuno decided very early on, and this is this is sort of part of the, the Japanese heritage and the way the Japanese do business, like, they're not going to play that game. And so it, it became acceptable for them to not get any driver play. It was explicitly leaving that, that driver spot in the bag open. So, you know, if you, if you sort of almost go out of your way to not have your club played on tour while all your competitors are explicitly working to get that bag, that club into other guys' bags and, and you're not doing that, over time you kind of fall off. And like we say, what what pros play isn't really that important, but there is a validation aspect to it. And so, you know, if you have literally two decades, right? Almost exactly two decades without Mizuno, without a Mizuno driver notching a PGA Tour win, perceptually that hurts the brand regardless of what the actual reality is yeah so point. you know backing up to what these products are called and the one is called the st200 the other one's called the st200g and then the other third one is the st200x and the major change on the 200 which is the replacement of the most mainstream driver the 190 is what tony well from what we can see right like we're very early on. We're, we're not in the embargo period, so, so Mizuno is not talking about these yet. But the, the most visible thing is just a, a change in the shaping of the weight. So they've gone from a kind of a round weight to a trapezoidal thing. So generally it allows you to, the shape is more favorable to pushing weight towards the perimeter. So, Correct. you know, and there looks to be some, some slight changes to the wave sole tech. But the big thing for me that stands out is that weight. And, and what it suggests to me is that they're going to push weight farther back and more to the edges so that suggests higher moi and you know maybe maybe if you do some stuff on the inside of the club and change your materials a little bit you can actually make that that weight plug heavier which will boost moi as well so there I mean, you go thanks to trapezoidal <laughs> good to it's, go now it's the power of geometry 
it's optimization through minor details, right? And that's where we're at in the industry. Uh, it's yeah. it's minor stuff that moves the needle, right? So the other one is the the uh, wave channel. It looks to be at least from what we can tell. You want to have consistent ball speeds across the whole face, right? So it looks like they've changed the wave channel to maybe accommodate that. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, and that's that's what everybody's doing every year is just to increase the size of the sweet area, right? Which yeah. everybody def- defines a little bit differently. Basically, just hey, how how hot can we keep this over a larger area, and then how it's, much speed can we keep at the perimeters when you really miss? So that's it's a value. It's a valuable evolution, not only for driver tech but also putter tech as well. You see putter companies doing it now as well. You know, sweetest face in golf, even roll ping, Cleveland, uh, more more putters, PXG is doing it. It's it's to you know widen that sweet spot, yeah. right? And we all need that. Make it more fun for bad people. It's geometry, it's materials, it's it's weight. Like that's where it's at. And you know, there's there's not really any any true, honest to goodness, world breaking technology anymore, right? We're we're at the limit yeah. now, and you're just trying to squeeze yeah. out a little bit at the edges if you can, or or maybe cheat the limit a little bit by playing a, a game where you're you're working in the space that's the difference between CT and COR, but. You know, you're you're not gonna ten more yards. That you know, you're not gonna you're not gonna hear that anymore. And if you do, it's bullshit. Right? Yeah. Oh, you're still gonna hear it. Did you hear about new game changer technology? No, but I feel like there's got to be some kind of revolutionary shit coming out at some well, we point one we, day down the road, right? We don't know that there are, there are some companies are two years ahead hey. of planning ahead, so you don't know what's coming out the door. You know. Mm. I saw some really really cool stuff at cobra last week right like i I gotta look at the the stuff that's coming from them and you know it's it's really cool and you you can make an argument for sure that it's 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 a step ahead of f9 speedback but they're not overselling it it's like you do a whole lot of little things right and it's the same argument ping makes right you you do everything you possibly can to make a product one or two percent better right it's because that that's where we're at you're not you're not going to get these these quantum leaps in in technology and performance all right so expectations for mizuno drivers in 2020 what do you think what do you think harry the trapezoid gonna win it for you he's going straight in your basket probably not in my basket but probably someone else's basket i mean where do you think it's going to finish in most wanted driver test mid table mid table what do you think i say top 10 top 10 Wow. Well, I think I think based on what we see in true golf fit and what we saw in uh, in testing last year, I think it's they're in the conversation. It's just people don't still don't think of Mizuno as as a metalwoods company, right? And that's partly because they're so strong and so much of their heritage is in the iron category. And then the other piece of it is right they're they're still sort of you're in that in that dark space with the who plays your stuff, right? But are, that's my that's my question for expectations for Mizuno in twenty twenty for you. Not how does it finish in most wanted, but what do you think the market share is? Does it go up? Does it stay flat? Does it go down? Twenty twenty. If it goes up, it's not much. I mean, yeah. So I, I think flat is probably reasonable, and I think I think flat or or just a tick up is probably the expectation, right? Mizuno is sort of knows what their metal wood share is going to be. And if they can get up a little, great. Yeah, and I think their iron share will go up this year. Yeah, and you start to look at kind of, because I, I kind of feel like everybody in the driver category, whether they say it or not, is is really on a two-year cycle, right? Callaway went from Rogue, which was not epic, right? 
it was kind of a, a lesser big story kind of release, right? Just quiet evolution to epic flash, which, you know, flash fake face technology and, and this is the newest and greatest. And I think I think this year with what I'm hearing is gonna be called the Maverick, right? Is yep. is going to be more of a roguish, not quite like as cool as Epic Flash was. This is our you know, our iPhone S kind of thing. Uh, whereas I think TaylorMade is probably, you know, apart from injecting the face last year, I think this year is probably their bigger step forward. Cobra, it's a bigger step forward for them. Um, I love that. I love Cobra's driver last year. I thought it was one of the best drivers I had. Well, Tony got to see all the new stuff, right? So what do you think, Tony? Um, I know you can't tell anybody out there really what it is, but you think Harry's, you think Harry's going to like this one? Yeah, and, and like I said, there's some there's a really cool kind of tech story here. And again, it's it's not oversold. It's like, hey, we did this thing that hasn't been done before, and it it just makes the driver a little bit better. That was that was so rehearsed. That's an honest story. <laughs> that was so rehearsed. But if they can improve on F9 speed back, I mean, that was That's a damn good driver for a lot of people last year. Like that was that was like, do I go with this? Do I? And I didn't go with it. And next year i mean i think it's funny right we when we test we go exactly by what the numbers tell us when we decide on most wanted and it was the margins between uh sub-zero and speedback were probably as narrow as we've ever seen in a driver test you know by the numbers sub-zero was our most wanted but i think if if you kind of went around the room and said hey guys which one are you more inclined to play which one do you like better i think not only within our group but i think if you extend it out to our testers too they probably prefer the the speedback yeah i think the te- i think the speedback was the most wanted winner in the sense of the testing pool mm, they love them the data you know the epic flash sub-zero squeaked out a, a victory yeah. over yeah and that i mean look sub-zero is a really really good driver but do you do you think that uh that Mizuno ST200 is going to be more like the TaylorMade where it's like their bigger year and another step up, or do you think they're going to be more like Callaway with the Maverick? I mean, I think I think the evolution with Mizuno is is probably more of a, a straight line. It's subtle. Yeah. yeah. Versus, really shoo, 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 you know. So um, I, I don't know what, what's coming from TaylorMade, but I'm, you know, I think... I think it's probably going to be like I said. I predict it's sort of like their bigger leap forward year than, if you will. So, hey, this might be the first year that you find out what TaylorMade's doing in quite a long time. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Here's to hope. Yeah, we haven't talked to TaylorMade in about five or six years, and uh, you know, looks like there might be some. They responded. There's life. There's life yet. There's a two step forward, maybe three steps back. But there's a there's a light through the keyhole. Yeah. So anyway, uh, moving on to the next thing, and that's been around the news for a few days, and that's Gary McCord and Peter Casas, you know, being fired by CBS. Been talked about by a lot of people. Some pretty interesting articles have been written. Tony and I have both met Gary McCord, uh, but just wanted to kind of talk about, you know, after 30 years of being with a company, to me, that's like family, you know? Like, you work with a company for 30 years. I mean, Tony and I have been together 10 I know a lot about Tony, you know. I can't imagine Tony finding out about him being fired from my Gospy in like a tweet or a phone call that just says, "Yeah, see you later, adios, ciao, nice, nice knowing you." You know, like mm-hmm. there's something more than just a working relationship, especially after 30 years, right? right. And it sounds like uh, they told the guy, you know, hey, you you can stay as long as you want, and then come to find out that that wasn't true. Um, so. 
I guess he's being replaced by Trevor Emmelman, right? And Davis Love the third. Is that correct, Tony? You're shaking your head. So what what are you thinking there? I, I mean, I, I think Immelman is is probably going to be pretty good. Um, I'm less sold on on Davis Love for sure, um, but but we'll see. <laughs> I guess, but I think right the whole thing is like this was framed as as an that the coverage had gotten stale, and if you sort of think that through, then it's like all right that we need to we need to freshen things up again, and just you know as as others have pointed out, Davis Love does the third does not scream fresh by any stretch of the imagination, <laughs> just different, and I don't know. We'll see, but I think I think if you kind of look at at what's going on big picture, right? It's it's kind of a need to modernize and you see what, what Fox is doing with the US Open where they're really trying to get some some new kind of the, the technical stuff and make it more more like an NFL game with the graphics and, and things like that. And I think maybe maybe CBS feels like the team they have in place doesn't have the capabilities to bring that kind of thing to life. I don't know. It it Yeah. I mean maybe they're just trying to make golf coverage nat proof. You know what I mean? Like with all those fox robots running around and it's it's hard to take a nap during an NFL game but I got a, I got a great candidate for them who's that Miranda Nodwell <laughs> I can't believe she took your I last mean, name it's insane <laughs> I'm, I'm so happy she did we need to get the family name going uh, but yeah I mean she kind of did all that stuff in in the Patriots when she worked there yeah made it fun and energetic maybe you just need some so you know. you're looking to see if they'll hire her? yeah CBS, if you're out there, just you know, hit hit her up. She's available. <laughs> Back to the McCord situation. You know, uh, you know, why did they do this? It's just odd because you read the stuff about Davis Love III, and he's even saying you're replacing these guys with a guy that doesn't even know what his job is going to be. He doesn't know if he's going to be in the booth, you know, on the course, walking down the fairway. So you're replacing a guarantee with a maybe, right? It's just kind of odd. But has Davis Love done announcing before? Um, he has, I think he's friends with the guy that runs the CBS. He's yeah, done some spots here and there, right? Kind of pop yeah. into the booth type of stuff, I think. So, yeah. I mean, playing it's, golf is completely different to commentating. It's a completely different animal. I don't know if they're going to correlate the two. It well, could be an absolute flop. Tony Romo, take that as an example, right? Yeah. He had no experience and they, they boot camped him pretty well. He and kills he, you know, it. He's what's good. That? Yeah. Killing He's good. it, right? So let's wait and see. I mean, it could be better. You just hate to see the the issue I had with it was that's that's just wrong, man. Well, it's respect. Yeah, oh, it's, for sure. There was no respect. Cut either. a guy down for thirty years like that. That's just like I, zero I'm interested integrity. to see how these two new dudes do it because you know I'm only 26, so Gary McCord and Peter Costa is all I know when it comes to CBS. So it's almost like you know you were saying they're trying to nap proof the game yeah. to make it less sleepy. And part of the fun of watching a PGA Tour event for me on a Sunday is taking a little cat nap between holes eight and fourteen, <laughs> yeah. and then waking up for the last four holes. That is true. So, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see how they do, and I don't, I don't know. And you, yeah. and you don't know, but it's you feel like right, maybe maybe to a degree, Gary McCord has been handcuffed. It's sort of those things like the the guy on TV that that can be a little corny versus the guy you meet in real life. You you just sort of feel like well. You know why don't why don't they just sort of give him no rules other than no f bombs and and turn him loose? You know, because well, that's an interesting point. Like you've met McCord, right? So have I, and you were thoroughly impressed with the guy. So was I, and that brings me to the question. You know, Tony, like they uncuffing him. What could they have gotten? And do you think somebody else might pick him up and take exactly what he is? You yeah, know? I mean, I think I, I think he's certainly way more interesting person. Th- in in sort of real life if you will and and again part of that is you've 
on a, on a typical weekend broadcast, you've got to sit there and, and come up with interesting things to say for four or five hours, right? So that's a, that's a challenge in and of itself. But you just feel like you know there 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 are these constraints, right? And and a template of this is how you cover golf, right? And so you know you're, you're forcing these personalities to to largely fit within that box. And and you know McCord has always been kind of a little bit of an outside the box guy, a little bit rogue. And I think. You know, for me anyway, you you want to make it more interesting. Just let the guy go rogue completely. Let it let him be himself completely. Um, let him be like no putts given. Yeah, riff. Yeah, right? exactly. But you that know. that that hasn't happened much in golf, right? And it won't. I mean, it won't. It's still a, a tight ass kind of. You know, I go back to us being on a broadcast once, and you know, I guess we did fairly well. And one of the guys that worked for the company said, "Hey, man, after the show, I want to talk to you." Okay. Hey man, we got to do a show together, like a month show every week, something. We got to figure out a way to work together. Ah, sounds great. You know, go to a meeting, higher ups, they pitch this show, and the guy says, "Wait a second, are you talking about them doing this on my gospel or them doing this for us?" And he said, "For us." He goes, "Oh hell no." <laughs> he said, "What do you mean hell no?" He goes, "We'll lose every advertiser we yeah, got. You'll lose a lot of corporate dollars." Yeah, so corporate bucks make the wheels spin. So um, I don't think it's going to happen. But it's unfortunate because I think McCord was great, and I don't think people realize and understand how hard it is to do what he did really well yeah. and make it look as flawless as yeah. he did. You know? And you mentioned something about, and I know that Davis Love and Trevor Ullman have been around. You know, what are they in their forty? I mean, Davis oh, Love is probably in a, Davis Love's almost. He's like fifty-five, I think. So these guys have been around for a while, but I know you mentioned that Peter Costas and um, Gary McCord have been around for so long. They have such a depth of knowledge of history of the game so they're able to you don't replace that man right and they can they can talk about experiences that it was funny i was listening to a lot of radio shows lately and everyone's talking about tiger woods and all these guys have covered tiger woods for so long i've never seen the guy in person and it's so interesting to hear their stories of they've been there for this many of tiger woods wins and they've like been on the 18th green and interviewed him right afterwards. Yeah, so like, they know not about just Tiger now. They know the whole evolution of exactly. Tiger, the ups and downs, right? And to as a person that hasn't met him as a listener or any story that you're hearing somebody tell, I think that's an important part to the to the recipe that makes a really good cake, you know? Yeah. So hopefully Emelman and, and Davis Love have some good experience we'll see. from, you know. Davis we'll Love's been around for a while. Transition into Tiger. You know, obviously everybody's heard Tiger won for the 82nd time. Must have missed that. Tony Tony is not the biggest Tiger fan for anybody out there that doesn't know that. Sam is the biggest Tiger fan out there. I didn't miss the 82nd win. So I, I did. I just watched the replays. You did? Yeah. So, I mean, it was great. I mean, no one thought he would ever come back and win a major. He did. No one thought he was going to um, win his 82nd win, and he did. There was a time where I never thought he'd win again. I didn't think he was going to play. I kept the faith, though. But, there was know. a time where I never thought he would lose. Well, that too. So, 82nd win, a couple cool stats. He was 82 for 359 starts. 22.8% win percentage, yeah. that's the highest. And if you go back to when he was hot, I mean, he won like every other tournament, right? But if you look at it, he's actually in the same percentage with 2019, I think. I think it was that kind of percentage of starts to yeah, I think you're right. to win. I think he was the same percentage. So yeah. I think he's going to get to 83. Well, 82 for 359, 683 weeks as world number one. Jack Nicholas, 520. Yeah. 520. 11-time uh, player of the year, and he had the Tiger effect, and Tony probably hates to hear that. But I think love him or hate him, Tiger 
uh, Goff owes something to Tiger for yeah. sure because without him, I think there's a major void in a pothole. You know, uh, obviously there's the on-course stuff and the off-course stuff that you can choose to separate on your own if you want mm-hmm. or not. So, all right, go around the room. Does Tiger get his 83rd win in 2020? Tony? I don't know. I don't care. Probably. It's <laughs> like, yeah, especially if he plays in, you know, he keeps playing in these B and C tier tournaments. I mean, that, that helps a little bit. <laughs> Wait, there were some really good players at that tournament. <laughs> I will put money on it that he will get 83, 84, and 85 in 2020. Okay. In okay. 2020. In 2020. Well, plus, given has become just a gambling I podcast. Think I, I think I will put money on it right and now. No he gets to 85 no in 2020. <laughs> a lot of IOUs on this so podcast. Many. I haven't lost just put yet, it on. Bro. Charge the account. I'm putting money on it. He's getting 85. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna get 83. I don't think he's gonna get to 86. Like he did. dude, his swing looked real good. Does the hero challenge count? <laughs> yes. Wait, no, I don't think it does. His swing always looks good. I know. So. <laughs> But okay, if you've watched—I mean, you've watched Tiger Woods just as long as I have, probably longer. Yeah, you know, I've seen him in person. I have not at the had that uh, at the Open at Royal um, at Hoylake. That was a good win. Did he win that one? Oh yeah, of course. Did his did. swing look good that week? Yeah, it looked exactly the same <laughs> to me than he does. There's subtle that. differences, but um, you can tell. I think some issues with that left side for sure. Yeah, well, hopefully, you know, we'll see how his body holds up for 2020. But <clears throat> just needs to go back to Perkins, wherever it was. All right, well, talking about golf and shots and swings, um, this week on Shot of the Truth, don't ever play a 64-degree wedge. And Tony <laughs> Covey, managing editor and golf equipment guru, is going to tell you exactly why. Yeah, so it's... it's reluctantly. It's, no, it's... I mean, I've carried one. They're fun. I get it. Um, and, and you think you're... You probably think you're magical with them. And, and maybe some of you actually <laughs> totally are, but um, most of you aren't Phil Mickelson. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so while I was out at Cobra, we got to look at some of the uh, some of the data they've collected for geez, four or five years now, however long it's been since they've they've partnered with Arco. So they've got a ton of, of Cobra Connect data. And so you start to see things like green percentages and, and things like that. So it was the one that stood out to me. They've got a chart that basically shows, you know, the, the percentage of the time you you hit the green on your approach shot, not necessarily if it's your second shot or your third, but sort of when you're in the position to hit the green with a shot and you look at across all wedges, right, you've got fairly consistent numbers, meaning, you know, you even though you're probably a little farther out, you don't hit the green significantly more often with a 56 than you would with your 50 or 52 basically your sand versus a gap or something like that but for but for guys who carry the 64 you just see this monster dip in the uh in the in the green hitter on approach and and so the theory is it's like all right well sometimes you hit it sometimes you blade it over and then you know maybe the second time you go for it you get it on but it's it's just kind of funny. It's 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 just not a high probability club for for most golfers. And, and when you see data like that, you know, I think most of us inherently know like it's it's a risk reward feast famine situation anyway. Uh, but when you see it laid out on a chart where you know wedge performance is like this, and you would think, hey, with a 64, if I'm hitting a 64, I'm probably a lot closer to the green than I am when I'm hitting a 50. And when you see it kind of go like that, you're like, uh, yeah, maybe uh, maybe that's not the right play for a lot of guys. Yeah, it's just a specialty club that's not that versatile. And, you know, for the most part, most golfers that struggle don't get to play enough golf. So 
they don't, you know, they lose that touch, right? Yeah. And when you lose that touch, you really got to have you the touch. You were talking about that the other day. Yeah. And if you lose that touch and you're throwing a 64 in there, and the chances of, I mean, it is awesome, right, to watch this 10-yard shot go 500 feet in the air, drop right down. But that happens very, uh, way less often than it's supposed to. Just get a 60 and open the face and practice that shot. That That's really cool to see. What's not really cool to see is when you try that high, that shot banging off the uh, the leading edge and it goes 50 yards across the yeah, green. Yeah, what's not really cool is when your buddy is in the bunker and, you know, He's waiting for you to hit your shot, your sixty-four shot, and, and it comes him out. skimming over his head. Yeah, you you blade one of those. It doesn't much matter if the flag stick is in or not. <laughs> Tony, you you played, or do you still play the sixty-four? Did you take it out of your bag? Oh, I I haven't played a sixty-four for for years. I still have one, and I, I okay, take it to okay, the course okay. every now and again just to like just because it's fun to mess around. But or if if you're playing in a scramble, right, and you want to be the guy that that hits the hero shot to a to an elevated green over a bunker or some such shit like that, sure. But, I mean, you know, if if I were to sort of be realistic about my own probabilities of success, it wouldn't be great. I mean, it's it's a club that it's it's easy to blade, it's easy to leave short and hard to hit where you want to. Uh, you know, like Adam said, really cool to watch when you hit it right, and if you're relaxed and just messing around the, on the green, it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, but... You know, if you've if you got any kind of money on the line or you're trying to shoot a low score, chances are you'd be better off with something else. Just get that alien wedge. Perfect. <laughs> True. We have that right over there. Boom. Isn't that 64? That's a 79. Uh-uh. I'm just kidding. I have no idea. Okay. There was like that. <laughs> it's huge. What was it like? Was it field golf or somebody like yeah. that had like a 71? Yeah. yeah. I think like 71, 72. Here you go. I bet you have a size but it is. Hit yourself in the face when yeah. you hit a shot. It's fun. This dude that made the alien wedge, Pat Simmons or whatever his name was, I mean, he had made a living off some crazy. Do you remember the Mac Burroughs driver, Tony? Oh, the one with the like the, the it was Nike before Nike. The one with the hurricane impress in the bottom. Yeah, of it? like like you, you like you got pissed off and smacked it and hit a golf ball. Like yeah, that one. Yeah, exactly. That and then he came out with that wedge the next year. Remember when we came to the the uh, PGA show and we walked by this massive booth? I mean, he went all out, right? And there was this wedge. The face of it was like a thousand cc's, and I was like, "Yeah, some dumb golfer is going to go buy that thing." A lot I guarantee. of dumb golfers probably bought that shit. <laughs> yeah. So, anywho, uh, moving on to dumb stuff that golfers buy, but I think more smart golfers are buying these than I thought about because we just did a feature article on a training aid device. That has sold over a quarter of a million of these units. It seems like a lot. I mean, I don't know. It sounds like a lot. (laughs) Dude, they thought they were going to sell 5,000. When I heard that they had sold a quarter million of these things, I was blown away. And the device is called Putt Out. Tony got one a couple years ago, and he became instantly addicted to this thing. I I don't think I have ever personally seen so much positive feedback about a training aid in all the years I've been doing golf. So... Why is this thing so addictive and how did, you know, how did you get addicted to it? It's just fun, right? And it, and there's a challenge in it, right? Cuz like it's it's that immediate response where a lot of these things you're you're like trying to, you know, move your putter through gates or something like that, but but something with the putt out when it when it goes up that ramp and sticks in that hole, like it's Man, it's it's euphoria when that happens, and when it when it because it's so damn hard to get it to do it too. And when it and when it like almost sticks, when you think you've got it and it rattles out, it's like crushing, and you're, so you're like, oh, yeah. I gotta, I'm gonna get it again, and like you, 
like I got a run and I uh, on a run and I hit like three in a row. I got to stick and I'm like one of the best days of my life, right? Um, but but the other piece wow. of it too, like I know, right? That's, Aren't that's you married? We need, to, we need to get you out. Yeah, well, but no, uh, yeah. and I'm I'm getting to the next part. And one of the other thing that that's really cool, like I I'm always trying to get my kid interested in golf, and she she'll go to the golf course with me because she likes to drive the cart and she'll hit three balls and and call it a day and again get back to driving the cart and not particularly well i might add it's dangerous um but like she loves using the putt out like she's like hey can we putt can we get this out you know and and so to kind of see her go through the same thing where even if she doesn't give a shit about golf like there's there's something about getting that ball to stick in that stupid little hole that motivates her as well so I think, this is I really think that's, cool. I mean, just just seeing Tony's reaction to it is why they've sold two hundred fifty thousand. Exactly, and this isn't by chance. I mean, they they didn't stumble upon this in my that's opinion smart. by luck. These people behind this company, come Real to find smart. out, are sharp, and Real they are good at everything I've seen them do so far, including the putting mats that they do. We haven't tested them yet, but after testing lots of mats over the years, even like the backing and the way they did the mat. The things they do just seem to make sense, which is really cool to see, you know? So they pay attention to the small stuff, which well, they, we love. They, they, they went after Crossfield and Lockie, who had a lot of oomph in the uh, golf industry at the time. And they loved it so much, they, they're taking it everywhere, and got a lot more people got to see it. And, I mean, if it's a good product, it's going to get heard. Um, well, ma- it's not expensive. It's 30 bucks. 29 yeah. bucks. It's amazing. Yeah, I don't know. I think that I don't know what the mats go for. Uh, and I, I'm not. I'm not going to tell you it's the best putting mat ever. I I haven't played with enough padding putting mats to really have any sort of real input on on the comparative quality. Yeah, I don't for for yeah, for putting mats. But what I do love, like like you said, everything is kind of well thought out, and you have these alignment lines, right? And just about most of these little mats have alignment lines and you're like, yeah, whatever. But for me, it was like, all right, screw it. I'll use the alignment line and, and see what happens. And I put my putter down because it's kind of like, it's got like a, one of the lines is like a cross section. So you can really kind of put the ball dead center. You know where it is relative to everything else. And I put my putter down and I'm like, wait a minute, something's wrong here. Like this looks centered to me. Like what looks centered according to these alignment aids is out on the toe. And sure enough, I learned that I was... You know, because your eyes start to, you can deceive yourselves even with alignment aids. And I and I found out what looked centered to me was actually out on the toe. And so just because of this mat, I made a very small adjustment to my setup. And, you know, it, it comes off the putter face different, right? Because now you're hitting it dead center in the middle where you're supposed to. And it, it's like one of those little things where just because of some simple little alignment thing that I initially thought nothing of, I found a flaw in my putting game. Like, it's... Well, this is going to be this. I am I am going to be using this a lot because my putting sucks at the moment. All right. Well, if you didn't get a chance, if you, most of our readers have probably heard or listeners of the podcast might have heard of Put Out Golf, but if you haven't, go check out the article done by Rick Young. A uh, really great piece about how it came to life and the iterations of where it started and where it is now and where they're going. So, moving on to a couple other items for anybody that does listen to the podcast. We have now added the podcast to our homepage. Uh, so if you want to just check on the latest episodes, uh, not only the newest one, but the entirety of all the episodes will be live on the uh, homepages from now on. We will be announcing the Titleist all-expense-paid trip uh, to the Titleist TPI Center and full bag very soon. So keep an eye out for that. 
a couple other things we've put out there. Uh, this is most wanted season. It's for the most part over. We have the personal launch monitor coming out. We've got a CBD one coming out. Uh, but we've gotten a lot of feedback from people on certain categories that you would like us to test. And one of those is being is putting mats. And we got a lot of positive feedback. So if you would like us to add additional categories to our testing at the end of this year or in 2020, please let us know in the review section of the podcast or send us an email, contact at mygossspy.com. Let us know what you want to test. Um, Harry got married, uh, by the way, over the past weekend. And I don't know if you saw it, but he got his groomsmen all some custom wedges. Uh, his buddy over at Grind Your Golf made those, I think. And yeah, my favorite one. did a great job. Yeah, is the Break Yourself Fool. <laughs> I got a guy who looks exactly like McLovin off Superbad. And... He- it was a perfect represent, a representation. What do you think of the way? Oh, he loved it. Did he? Yeah, it wasn't offended at all. <laughs> Problem I see, though, is Harry posted a video of his wife after uh, the wedding. Oh, my God. I laughed my ass off. She was very distraught. She had her head in a pillow on the couch. She just realized she, she married Harry? Well, that's that exactly what happened, Tony. That, too. That, too. But they had a good time at their wedding, I think. It they? was a lot of fun, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Nothing went wrong, which which was, you know, amazing. Cause and it didn't rain, you, huh? so that's either good luck or bad luck, right? Which one is it? If what? If it doesn't rain. If it doesn't rain, it, I mean, if they, if it rains, they say it's it's good luck. They just say that. So yeah, it's just to make a bride day. feel better. That's all. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it was a great day. Um, we'd do it all over again if we had the chance. You get married again? With the same okay gotcha. yeah with Making the same budget and all that and yeah but now i've got this ball and chain on my finger and it's weird uh he's had the ring for four days he's forgotten it how many days twice <laughs> twice two out of the four days i know right where mine is <laughs> <laughs> you don't wear it you can't uh, lose it or something like but that yeah if you if you want a custom wedge or whatever you want to go just to go check them out uh grind your golf it's pretty they did a very good job and yeah. i was very pleased with them well, a couple last things before we go on this uh, week's episode, and that is a reminder that we, we are actually hiring a full-time staff writer. So if you're interested, send in your resume. There is a uh, link on our site for mygolfspy.com forward slash jobs, and you can apply there. All right, everybody, that Ooh. is episode 21 of No Putts Given. And until next time, and for the people out there that we that said No Putts Given had ended and was no longer around because we took a week off, yeah, we're still here. So we'll we see you next time. We ain't going week. anywhere. No. Not right. anytime soon. Peace out.